All right, if you'll join me in the book of Joshua again, we'll be in Joshua. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been, you've been hearing the phrase, God's will, quite often, and we've attempted to kind of define, you know, what that is, and over the time, we have answered the question of what is God's will with it's more about who you are than about where you go and what you do. The foundation of God's will is to transform you into Christ's likeness. Now, it is more about who you are, but it's not all about who you are. If you are who God has transformed you into, into who He wants you to be, obviously that would be manifested out into certain actions and behaviors that would be honoring and glorifying to the kingdom of God. So it's not just about who you are, but it is also about where you go and what you do. But primarily, it's about who you are. Because if you're always who God wants you to be, it's very likely you will be at the right place doing the right things, bringing glory to God. Now, what is God's will? That's another way we can take a look at this. Well, it's His plan. It's, it's His playbook. Um, it is what He desires to do in and through us as His children. Um, God is a playmaker, not only a playmaker, but he is the master playmaker. He knows exactly what he wants us to do, and the God, God is the best one for that job. Why is that? Well, because he's the one who holds the eternal perspective. He's the one who knows the end from the beginning. God is the one who wants to plot out our plans and to show us and to direct us according to his purpose and his pleasure. And seeing the end from the beginning, he has the perspective that is needed. And having that perspective, he knows the best way to carry out our lives and to fulfill his purpose. Now, we've covered briefly over the last few weeks that how God reveals his will to us, and he reveals his will to us by, um, by, um, by his word, the word of God, maybe even through the proclamation of his word through the church, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And God can reveal what he would have us to do um, here in this world by those, by those different ways. Now, when God reveals his will, and I tr- believe that he truly does, I believe that God clearly speaks to us. He clearly speaks to us and he, he, he directs us in a way that um, he wants us to go. <clears throat> but whenever he does reveal that will to us, it is up to us whether we are going to choose to follow that or not. Now, last week and the, actually the last couple of weeks, we kind of dis, we discussed a few of these things. One, we must be ready. We must be ready whenever God calls. Are you in a place where you can drop everything if God were to call you to do something? Would you be willing to do that? Secondly, we need to believe God. Simply, you've got to believe that God is not lying to you, that God is not holding out on you, that actually what God is directing you to do is for his honor and glory. And it is the best decision that you can make. You've got to believe God. Those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Also, finally, you've got to be willing. Once, once God's purpose is laid out for you, he's spoken clearly, or you're ready to go. You believe what he's saying is true, but you actually have to follow through with it. And you have to do those things or you're going to miss out on the opportunity. Um, if... Am I in these monitors? If I'm in these monitors, go ahead and kill that, please. So we, um, yeah, that's, that's better. Okay, that's great. And so whenever God reveals his will, it's up to us to follow it. Be ready, believe God, and also be willing to follow through. Now, if we're not ready, you're going to miss out on the opportunity. If you're not ready when he calls, 
then you're going to miss out on the opportunity. Also, we fail when we don't believe that God is telling us the truth. We don't believe that God's way is the best way. And whenever we push God's way aside because we think something else is going to be better, then we fail in fulfilling God's will and following through. And God's will in our lives, it is not played out if we don't follow through. We must follow through with God's direction. And I believe that there's only a window of opportunity to follow through. I believe we all can, can go back in our lives and see that those, those times where we have missed those opportunities when God was laying on our heart to do something, but now that opportunity is no longer there. Take, for instance, you know, you have an opportunity to share your faith with someone. Now, when it comes to something like this, you know, it's clear that God has commanded us to do what? To share our faith. Okay, the opportunity arises. You even feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is something that I really need to do. And my window of opportunity here is maybe about 10 or 15 minutes, maybe a little bit longer. But what we tend to do is, well, let me, I have a feeling that I need to do this, but let me go ahead and pray about this a little bit, right? Let me pray about it a little bit. When the time passes by, the opportunity is no longer there. And then we say, well, it must not have been God's will for me to do that. Well, maybe it was God's will and we just drug our feet on that window of opportunity. You know, some things don't really require prayer about. One, we know God has commanded us to do it. The conviction of the Holy Spirit and the opportunity has presented itself. You probably don't need to pray about that too long. The opportunity is there. Don't lose that opportunity to step out and to follow through. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that you don't pray. Don't hear me say that. That's not what I said. But you know for a fact that it is right and good and God-honoring for you to fulfill that which God is convicting you and you have the opportunity to do. Okay, you don't need to spend 15 or 20 minutes or a week to pray about that. Follow through and do it. God has spoken clearly to you in a lot of those cases. We look at the children of Israel here coming into Joshua chapter 1, 2, and 3 and 4. And we see that, that God has called them to cross over the river Jordan. Now, 40 years ago, they had a window of opportunity, didn't they? And that window of opportunity was shut for 40 years until all of the adults... 20 years and older, died in order that God could raise up a generation behind them that might be ready, that might believe what he's saying is true, and that are willing to follow through and go into the land and to take the land that God has given them. The window of opportunity was only open for a short amount of time before they were turned around to go back. Now, had the children of Israel a second time said, I don't think that we are going to go over there. I don't think we can get across the river, so we're not going to even attempt it. They might be on their way back to the wilderness and not going into the land of Jericho, as we will read further on in Joshua as far as what happens. So they had an opportunity. They were ready. They, were, they believed God, and they were willing, and therefore they crossed over the river Jordan opposite of Jericho. Now, when it comes to carrying out God's will as it has been revealed to us, when it comes to all this, we're ready, we believe God, we're willing, we're going to step through. But whenever it comes to carrying out God's will, as it's been revealed to us, I believe that we should not be timid about it at all. We should be very bold, we should be very courageous, and we should be confident in carrying out that which God has directed. Over and over again, as we see in Joshua chapter 1, which we'll read in just a, 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 few, a few places in here, 
If you read that over and over again, you will find how many times that God is encouraging, be strong, be very courageous, be strong, I have commanded you, be strong and be very courageous. And even in the second half of, um, of chapter one that we see that the men, the, the, the mighty men of valor who went over to check out the land, they came back and said, Joshua, God has clearly given this land, be strong and be very courageous. If anyone who stands up against you, we will put them to death. We're, we're behind you in this. So they were ready and willing and they were ready to go. But they were very courageous in, in being willing to do what God had called them to do. And we must be bold in that. You know, living a Christian life, Christian life, it requires us to have a backbone of steel, but also coupled with a heart of compassion for the people of this world. But why should we be confident? That's the question we're going to be talking about today. Why should the child of God be confident in fulfilling God's will? So our confidence in fulfilling, our God's, fulfilling God's will. So why are the reasons that we should be very confident? Well, the, the simple question is, is simply because of who God is. Because of who he is and who we are. And that we can be found in his will for our lives. We have a few promises that I believe that we can claim when we're following God's will. We have the promise of his presence. We have the promise of pros prosperity not rich, wealth, wealth, fame, and stuff like that. I say that all the time, but no. Prosperity, I mean success. I mean victory. And we have the promise of provisions. The reason why I said prosperity instead of success is because it's a P, right? The promise of, the promise of presence, the promise of prosperity, and the promise of provisions. They teach you that in seminary. It's a total waste of time, but however, it sounds good, and you might remember it. We have the promise of God's presence. That's the first thing that we're going to be talking about here. We're going to be going through the first four chapters of the book of Joshua. Um, and we're going to see a few different things in a story that we should be familiar with since we've gone over for the last few weeks. And the first thing I want to see is that we have the promise of God's presence when we are walking in the very will of God. The promise of his presence. Now, what do we see in Joshua chapter 1 verse 5? Now, God is promising Joshua this. He says, No man shall be able to stand before you all of the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He's got a promise here from God that if he is obedient to fulfill what he has called him to do in obedience, that he will never leave him and he will never forsake him. He has the presence of an almighty God who has commanded him to go do something and therefore, he has the ability to do it. And he should be confident in this. Why? Because God's going to be with him. God is going to be with him. He's made a promise, I will not leave you for, nor forsake you. He says, I'm going to be with you like I was with Moses. Now, that's important for Joshua because he was Moses' right-hand man. And he got to live side by side with Moses, seeing the very hand of God and the presence of God in Moses. So this is something that Joshua could understand. He says, yes, you, he says, I will be with you and I never will leave you nor forsake you. But also the children of Israel, you know, they were given the Ark of the Covenant as the representation of God's presence with his people. And God's presence always tend to follow that box around. If the enemy stole it, guess what? The, the presence of God was with them and it wasn't good for them. But oftentimes they brought it back and said, we don't really want your box anymore. And they brought it back. It was a representation of the presence of God. Now, what we saw over the last couple of weeks is that, is that the ark, as a representation of God's presence with his people, 
He led them to the river. He led them to the obstacle that they had to cross. He led them out. He went first. And when the feet of the priest touched the water, the water stopped flowing. And then they went out to the midst of the riverbed. And then as they went through there, as they went through there, all of the children of Israel passed through until everyone was across. And then the Ark of the Covenant came out and followed them. As we see in um, chapter 4, Verse, uh, verse 18, it says, And it came to pass when the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet touched dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place, and they overflowed its banks as before. Now what is important about this is the presence of God with his people through the will that he had laid out for them to accomplish. He was there first, he was there during, and he was the last one to come out. You know, as they were going through the danger zone, which is the riverbed of a flooded Jordan, you know, he was right there in the midst. He was right there in the midst. He, they had the presence of God right there with them. Though they may have been afraid, you know, looking 20 miles out and seeing the wall of water that was there that could come rushing down at any moment, in their mind, it was safe. Why? Because of God's presence. God was there as they were crossing across the, the, the River Jordan. God stayed there and held the water back until every single one made it across. And the last person, he was the first one there and he was the last one to leave. The presence of God was with the children of Israel during this time and many other times in Scripture shows that God was there not only from start but during and all the way through the end. Now, do we have such promises to claim about Jesus as the New Testament church? Absolutely. Jesus has promised that he will be with us. Jesus has promised. He said, he said there, go, it says, therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have taught you, and lo, I will be with you even until the end of the age. We have the very presence of God when we walk in obedience to the Father. We have, we, have, we have complete presence with him. As we faithfully carry out the will of God in our lives, I believe that we can be confident that we are in the very presence of God and that he is with us and that he will be there to support us. And we have no reason to fear that the, the rivers will be held back and that we will, we will accomplish the will to get across the River Jordan that he has laid out for us to do. And you say, well, isn't God everywhere? Isn't he omnipresent? So, I mean, it's really impossible to get out of the presence of God. That is true. Even Jonah uh, illustrated that. It's like I went down to the depths of the sea where I was tangled up in seaweed, and God, you were there. So we can't really fully get out of God's presence. But just because God is everywhere, it doesn't mean that God is working everywhere. There's a difference. Because God is everywhere, it doesn't mean that God is working everywhere. I'll, I'll, I'll illustrate that. Now, for instance, what if God was leading you over in this direction for whatever that might be? He's leading you over here. He says, look, I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Uh, but I need you to come over here. This is where I want you to go. This is the direction. But yet you have in your mind, well, I like this direction. So therefore, I'm going to walk this direction and I'm going to be outside of the will of God because God has directed me here, but yet I think this is going to be better. I'm not ready. 
I don't believe what God is saying. I think this is better, and I'm not willing to go that way, so I'm going to step over in this direction. But God's saying, well, hold on, I'm, I'm working over here. This is where I am. And see, so whenever we take our step in this direction away from God's will, we think, well, God, where are you? He's like, well, I'm, I'm over here. <laughs> this is where I'm actually working. This is where you're going to see your provisions. This is where you're going to see, see me be with you. This is where I am over here. This is what I want you to do. Think about it this way. Now, the children of Israel, they were to cross over opposite of Jericho. Now, what would have happened if they decided, well, I think we got to go 40 miles north where it's easier to cross and go over there. Well, if they go 40 miles across, we found out that they would be 20 miles past where the water stopped. But God would say, well, look, I'm, I'm working over here. <laughs> I didn't say 40 miles up there. I said right here. And they could have missed that opportunity due to their disobedience. But the promise and the confidence that we can have simply because we have the presence of God when we step in faith and obedience to him should give us the ability to be confident to do his will. Be confident and to be bold and courageous. Why? Because God is with you. He's with you there. You know, in my Wednesday night class, I'm I got to brag on our, our students a little bit. They're doing a phenomenal job with the evangelism training, doing good. We had our first night of our role playing this last Wednesday and they're doing really good. And I think that they are, they're really motivated because they know that we have a date on the calendar where we're all gonna go out and we're going to put into practice what we have learned. And so that's kind of motivated them to learn it a little bit better, to be, to be better at it. And it's kind of talking to a couple of them. It's like, no, it's like, it's like Brother Billy, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of afraid about it. It's like, he's like, yeah, it's like, I think I can do it, but, you know, I'm a little bit afraid. I said, I said it's okay. I said, it's okay if you're afraid. I said, but I don't want you to worry about it because whenever you go do this, I'm going to be right there beside you. Okay, if you get hung up, if you don't remember what to say, I'm going to be right there. And I'll, be, I'll be there to help you out. He's like, oh, okay then, but then I, I think I can do it. <clears throat> and just like that, just because we know that someone is going to be there with us to support us, it should give us the confidence to move forward and do that. And God has promised that he will be with us when we step in faith, and whenever we, whenever we are obedient to his will and his calling in our lives. We can be confident in carrying out God's will because of his presence. Secondly, we can be confident because of his promise of prosperity and success, victory. Now, the victory that we're speaking of is simply accomplishing the will that God has put before you. It's accomplishing the task that God has called you to do. Not, not based on a worldly standard, but based on what God's perspective is. The end that he has in means. That's what I'm talking about as far as being victorious and being successful and being prosperous. The first thing that we really need to consider is whenever we're following God's will, we've got to understand who is speaking, who is leading here. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to go back to Joshua chapter 1. It says, after the death of Moses, verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, the assi Moses' assistant. In verse 2, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all of this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Now, he's just been given a huge task. Moses is dead now it's time for you to step up. I need you to take them over Jordan and to get this land they were not willing to take 40 years ago. Take them and go. 
Now, there's a lot of, a lot of different questions that can be going through the mind of Joshua at, at this moment. It's like, well, this, we tried this 40 years ago. I hope the people are ready. He said, well, when we look at the land, well, the people in that land, they're not really just going to give us this land, right? They're not going to be just, they're not going to be willing just to kind of move out and say, guys, yeah, come on in. But the question we need to ask is not necessarily the what, the when, and the how is this going to happen, but we need to ask the question, who is telling me to do this? Who is commanding me to do this? Well, God is commanding him to do that. And if God has called us to do something, we have the promise of victory if we will just walk in faith and move forward. We will, we will have a victory based on what God has in store. The means at which he wants to meet, we will be victorious in that. He doesn't have to worry about who's in the land or, or how it's going to be overtaking. But God is the playmaker here. He's the one with the eternal perspective. He sees the end from the beginning. We simply follow his plan and it will work. Do you believe God? That's the question. You follow his plan, it will work. It's not just a good plan, folks. It's a perfect plan with an eternal perspective. God knows what he is doing. Nothing's going to catch him off guard. He knows the plays. He knows what's going on. So we must follow his will, follow his plan. It will work. It is a perfect plan. Now, if we're willing to do so, God promises Joshua something here in verses 7 and verse 8. He says, only be strong and very courageous that you might observe to do according to it all that is in the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe all that there is in it. And then I will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. So God has promised him prosperity and victory and success. But what is the condition that must be met? Like you've got to follow through, right? You've got to follow through with the plan. You've got to read the book of the law, meditate in it, do it, observe to do all that is written in there, and then you will be prosperous, and then you will be successful. So when it comes to, comes to us, I mean, we must meet the conditions to be successful. We must follow God. We must follow the plan. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13, we were called to put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand. We have the ability to stand. We have the ability to become victorious. But we have to follow through with the plan. So the promise of success in doing what God has accomplished in us should give us great confidence. But whenever it comes to this, we have to be very careful that we don't focus on the results and we don't focus on, we simply focus on what God is calling us to do. Whenever we are called to go and witness to, the, to a lost and dying world, the results of victory are not based on whether, on, 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 what the, on the reactions that the people give us. Our success and prosperity is based on the fact that we followed through the plan and they let, allow God to accomplish his will through us when we're obedient to him. So we can be confident in carrying out God's will. I believe that we can be confident, one, because we have God's presence. He's going to be there. He's there to support. He's never going to leave us. We have the promise of victory if we are willing to step out in faith and be obedient to what he says. And then finally, we have the promise of 
God's provisions. And the promise of God's provisions. If God has called us to do a certain task, I believe that we will be equipped properly to make sure that task is complete in doing so. So in looking at chapter 3, you know, the story of this, when Joshua rose up early and then he told the guys, he told the priests, he said, all right, I need you to grab the Ark of the Covenant and head out towards the river. Everybody listen up. Whenever you see the Ark of the Covenant moving out along with the priests, I need you to get ready. Get ready because tomorrow God's going to do some marvelous works around you. Then, then the priests pick up the ark and they go towards the river and the people get ready. They're, ready. they're looking for the fireworks. And then God gives them another block of instruction, which is whenever, it's like, all right, priests, whenever you get to the river, get your feet wet. Get your feet wet. And he goes back and tells the people, says, all right, guys, listen, whenever they step in the water, the water is going to stop flowing and we're going to go across on dry land. And they followed through. My question in, in all of that, what did the children of Israel need in order to accomplish what God had called them to do? What did they need? They needed feet and a box. They needed the feet and the Ark of the Covenant. Those were the two objective things that they needed in order to carry out what God had called them to do. Now the question is, how long have they had those things? They had them for a while. God didn't call the children of Israel to go cross the river Jordan and command them to do something for which they were not properly equipped. They had the Ark of the Covenant and they had feet. The only thing they needed to do was walk towards the river and then step in it and then allow God to do his work. God will provide the means to accomplish his will in and through us. To whatever God calls us to do, he will properly equip us to do the work that he has called us to do. He will supply it through, through whatever means, even by, by, by other people. Now, for instance, what if the children of Israel said, well, that's, that's really a good, a good idea, but how are we going to get across this river? They didn't really believe God and saying, well, if all we've got to do is put our feet in the water. Maybe that's just a, a, a term that he's using. And what if they kind of went their own way and said, you know what, we can get across this river. And to believe, and to believe it or not, I bet they could have gotten across there without God's intervention. But they would have had to hire some people to build some boats. They'd have had to take in some, take in some resources. So we'll take some other youth fund and take some other benevolence fund. We'll shift it over here to boat making and we'll, 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 we'll build these ships over here. Okay, we'll do that. So we'll take some resources. We'll go, we'll go chop the trees down that are over in this land. We'll use those. And, then, and by the time we get finished, you know, it will be out of flood season. It'll be easier to cross. Now, they could have gotten across. I don't, I, don't have, I don't have any question about the fact that they would be able to get across. But was that what God told them to do? No, absolutely not. And in not, in not following God, if they were to go this route, they would have wasted a lot of resources, and they would have wasted a lot of time, and most likely they would be back on their way to the wilderness for another 40 years to die off and bring up another generation. The thing about what I want us to see here is that, yes, we could probably find different ways to make things, make things happen to go our own way. But what God, has clearly, what God has clearly directed us to go do, I believe that we either are equipped or we will be very soon. And that God's provisions for him to accomplish his will will always be there. <clears throat> now, another thing we need to look at is this does not mean that we can go our own way and expect God to provide. 
We can't go our own way and expect God to provide. Now, in, in accomplishing God's will and claiming the promises of God, it's not like we, as his creation, can decide to do our own thing. And just because we're doing it, we're to say in the name of Jesus Christ, that we can demand God to move based on what we're doing. That's not the way that this works. God is the initiator. God is the one who does the directing. We lean on his understanding and we follow his direction. And whenever he, whenever he reveals that will to us, it's up to us to respond to that in obedience. And then that is where God has promised the presence, the prosperity, and the provisions. So we follow him. Notice that whenever, notice again in, in, in chapter 3, that whenever he says, like, don't go out in front of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is going out first. You stay back because you've never gone this way before. You need to see which way we're going. God leads. We follow. When we follow, God promises the presence, the provisions, and the prosperity. Now, we can be confident in carrying out God's will because of these promises, the presence, the prosperity, and the provision. And as we stand for a time of invitation this morning, I want us to all really kind of think about where we are and what we might need to do. Is God calling me into a certain position? Is God calling me into a certain place? Am I being called to serve in a certain, um, in a certain capacity? And if he's calling you to do something and it's very clear, be confident in the steps that you take because you will have his presence. You are guaranteed a victory and he will provide every step of the way. But we must position ourselves where we can experience these promises. Let's stand and let's have a hymn of invitation. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your wonderful acts of grace and reaching down to us, Father, and leading us and directing us. But Father, may you speak clear to, clearly to our hearts this morning. If there's something that we need to be doing, Father, may we trust you and be confident in stepping out by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.